Welcome to Healing Hearts, Empowering Critical Care Providers. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended as a training tool for Children's Hospital and Medical Center personnel. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Complete information regarding the podcast, including its limitations on usage, is available under the episode description. Welcome back to Healing Hearts, Empowering Pediatric Critical Care Providers. My name is Madeline Quinn. I'm the educator in the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, and today I'm going to introduce a new series in our podcast about our nurse residency program. We have a nurse residency program at Children's Hospital and Medical Center, and I was lucky to be a part of the second group almost eight years ago. So we have three wonderful nurse residents today that are going to let us listen in to their discussion about starting this program and hopefully give you some tips and tricks about starting on your own as a new nurse. Let us listen in. Welcome to our first nurse residency podcast. It's a series that we're going to be trying to do to kind of give some more information about the residency here at Children's as well as kind of adjusting to practice as a new nurse. There's always a lot being thrown at you, so sometimes it's nice to have an informal process to hear other people's conversations and frustrations about this kind of stuff. Some general information about the residency that you may may or may not already know. It's roughly a two-year process, first year of which has a lot of classroom um, and formal teaching, as well as like mock codes, and the second year has an evidence-based practice project that you work on with other people in your cohort. Um, And then there's a lot of other resources sprinkled in throughout the whole process, but um, one of the things we like to stress about is that it's always evolving and it's always changing. Tessa and Don are always changing things from cohort to cohort, year to year. Um, so even just as our little group here, we've all experienced different levels of that. Just to introduce ourselves, um, my name's Austin, I work on the sixth floor and was a fairly recent cohort cohort. I forget the number, but <laughs> there's lots of them now. My name is Casey, and I work in the emergency department, and I was cohort nine. Um, and I'm Erica. I was cohort 20, so about a year ago. Um, and I work on the float pool, our flex department for children's. Yeah, so your orientation specifically yeah. in regards to the residency was unique. Absolutely. Having trained all the different units. Yeah, so my orientation has approximately taken about a year and a half um, to finish everything. We started out going to the med surge floors and kind of just learning how to be a nurse, um, learning you know where everything is, our resources, and learning how to time manage. And then once we kind of got that down, we moved towards the ICUs. Um, we did what we call an intermediate care orientation, um, and this is essentially where we take care of those kids who need a little bit of respiratory support but aren't necessarily um, intubated or sedated um, on a ton of drips. And then once we get that all done, we go back and do our full ICU training where we're taking care of the sick, really sick kids who are, you know, on the um, ventilator, intubated, um, and on all sorts of medications as well to kind of help. So throughout the whole thing, I think I've gone to about like six different units and learned six different things. So it's been a good process and really nice to kind of learn everybody and meet everybody as well. So Sure. It's an awfully long process. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I suppose that's one of the things that is worth mentioning is having a home unit, you're kind of at an advantage, being able to kind of learn your specific population, um, your processes on that unit, and having like a steady set of mentors that are all working with the same population. 
I don't know, maybe that's one of the things you can talk to here is finding people that you can yeah. get advice from that that's not having a home unit necessarily. I think the biggest thing, um, touching into a little bit of orientation, is um, just with the people you meet on the unit, you can't be afraid to ask those senior nurses questions. And I think a lot of times as nurse residents, we lean on the people who are closest, kind of the newest with us and who kind of share our experience um, versus really reaching out to those who have been there for a little bit longer than us and really have that in-depth knowledge um, of the unit. So it's just like finding your voice and being comfortable asking those questions. Um, I've never once had somebody look at me and say, well, that was a dumb question. Why are you asking me that? It's more of, you know, I really appreciate you asking and not just doing something just because you're nervous that you're going to do it. Like, because you don't want to ask. You're nervous that we're going to make fun of you or judge you. And I can honestly say I've never felt that way. And I think that um, just speaks volumes about children in general. Um, and kind of going back for you guys, like having a home unit, you have uh, people who are able to float to you. So uh, and you're always a very good resource as well to answer our questions and make sure that we feel comfortable. Absolutely. Going there, so. Yeah, I think that's one of the nicest part about children's is it supports a questioning attitude like that. I, one of my favorite thing to tell new people that are coming on the unit that are kind of nervous, especially, so Sixth Floor takes a lot of um, oncology patients, which is a niche nursing kind of thing. Uh, one of my favorite things to tell them is that you're expected to know so much in nursing school, you're expected to retain all this information and pass all these tests. Nobody expects you to know everything once you get into practice. Um, it's important to focus on what's gonna keep people safe, um, you know, kind of the major red flags and things like that, but you, you're always going to be learning every day until you retire. So, especially as often as things change, but yeah, it's important to find those informal mentors that Absolutely. you and can you rely know, on. Yeah, and I know that um, it's not always easy to speak up and ask those questions, but it's very important to make sure that you're going to grow as well um, as a new nurse. And there have been times where I've like, okay. I have to think about this on my own, but I also don't want to do it wrong. So just double checking with somebody is always super important as well. Sure. Um, yeah. I think it's always nice to utilize the residency as a as a resource as well, even after you've graduated. I know that at any point I could go to Tessa if I was struggling with something, whether it be clinical or not. Um, that that it's a reason that we have this be an elongated process. It's because you're learning, you know, really specialty nursing, and it takes a lot of adjustment, both personally and professionally. So. Sometimes you need a resource off the unit that you can go to as well. So our education department is always an open set of ears and is pretty proactive and all that stuff as well. But and another thing to kind of go with that is um, learning how to reach out to your senior nurses, but also learning how to interact with physicians. And I know um, in the ICUs we work very, very closely with our physicians and I'm sure in the ED as well. So yeah. Um, maybe if you just want to touch on how yeah, you've learned to talk to um, In the emergency department, we are unique in the fact of our docs are right there in the department, um, whereas on the med search floors, I don't know how available they are, but at 3 in the morning, I think you have to call them, you know, and all that sort of thing. Um, but in the ER, we are very thankful and the fact that they are right there. Um, and we have established the relationship that if we say, hey, this kid is sick, can you come in? They trust the nurses and they, they're they there right there. They're like, no, you know, let's just, you know, give me one second. There's none of that. They come right in and I think that is huge. And especially as a new nurse, to see that relationship 
gave me more confidence when I first started because it's like, oh, okay, it is easy to talk to these doctors, you know, and then they kind of, they get to know you and they know, you know, the relationship just kind of blossoms from there and it is, you know, it gives you a little confidence booster too, like, okay, I was right, like, this kid is sick, cool, let's, you know, now let's fix it and things like that, so it definitely makes it a lot easier to communicate with them and physicians and we also have um, mid-level, like, um, physicians assistants and nurse practitioners um, and residents and medical students. So we have all the people down there and um, it's also a learning process for the residents as well because they, it helps them learn to listen to the nurses and, you know, because we're the ones that are there all the time. So it's definitely very beneficial to have that relationship. Yeah, it's a good point to touch on there being, us being a teaching hospital, there's always residents and med students and that's usually your first person you're going to when you have a concern. Um, and if it's I know they're learning just like all the rest of us, so if it's something you know that you're worried about and they're kind of trying to put it off, it's it's interesting trying to, to be more aggressive and, and getting people to the bedside and advocating getting what you need. So, And that's another thing that you can draw in, you know, more senior nurses. Your charge nurses are a great resource and things like that, and you can always go above somebody. There's always somebody above <laughs> your resident, so. Absolutely. And I think... Um, a big thing that I have learned, especially working in the like cardiac ICU, is we also reach out to occasionally have to call like the cardiologist who's on call um, if our patient is post-op. Um, and really knowing your SBAR, um, your situation, background, all the things. Because if you call and say, hey, my lactate is three, they're going to be like, okay, but well, how is your patient? <laughs> like, what are they doing? What are their other vital signs? Um, and just being really confident. And even, again, with a senior nurse going through that before you have to communicate with a physician is never a bad idea. Um, I actually, the first time I ever had to call somebody like in the ICU, um, one of the senior nurses came up to me and was like, do you want to go through this for like a week? Just so you don't feel like you're on the phone and you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, Stuttering oh. and <laughs> Yeah, and so that was really, really cool for me. Um, so yeah, just kind of knowing your information, being confident in it, and if you have a question, just ask somebody to get more information for you as well. So I think that's always really cool. Just learning how to interact with people who you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they're you know they're so much higher up, but really they're our peers and they're there to help us and they're there to work with us. So it's interesting. It's one of those skills that's not something that you can read in a textbook and know how to do right away. Mm -hmm. It's just something you have to like get your own Absolutely. communication style and figure out how other people receive information and stuff too. So that's kind of one of those things that nobody can teach you outright. You just mm -hmm. gotta practice your way into it. Yeah, and I think that, like we were saying, kind of really goes into finding your voice. Um, don't be afraid to speak up. Your gut is going to tell you the most while you're nursing. If you feel like something's not right, let somebody know. Um, if, if they think everything's fine, great. Document it. <laughs> say that you call them to bedside, say that you told them about it, and then you know, stay on your toes with it and just remember that you're the nurse, you're there at their bedside for a 12 hour shift. You know what their change has been. Um, yeah, and just advocate for your patients. Sure, yeah. I think it's interesting to kind of track your own progress as you develop like the, how comfortable you're feeling. And that's, I guess that's a good resource. We have a lot of frequent check-ins, especially during the orientation process with your unit educator and your manager. Um, so it's, I like to set goals in those appointments as much as I can. As, so that you can go back in three months or whatever and they say, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're more comfortable addressing your needs with the physicians or, you know, kind of the more intrinsic qualities that aren't, you know, clinical skills per se. I mean, it is a clinical skill for sure. But, but other than that, I mean, it's, and you're always gonna have personality differences and 
trying to jive with different people on the units. All right, so this podcast was really just to kind of introduce you to the nurse residency, um, a little bit into orientation, finding your voice, being confident in yourself, um, and we'll continue on with future episodes to get you more acclimated to being a new nurse. So thank you for tuning in. If you have some questions you've been wondering about in the nurse residency program, you can ask our panel of experts, and you can send an email to either the educator of the PICU, Madeline Quinn, or to Tessa Keeling, who is one of the directors of the nurse residency program. Thanks for listening. For more information about Children's Hospital and Medical Center, visit childrensomaha.org. Thanks for listening to Healing Hearts, empowering critical care providers.